0: All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to be joined by my good friend friend of the program, doing great things here on the Twitterverse, but also for Mile High Sports himself. It is Swipe-A-Cam. Cam, Cam, my man, this has been a lot of fun. We do this every weekend. We hang out. We talk nuggets. We talk the rest of the NBA, too. And there's a lot to talk about right now. There's a lot to chat about. and Man, we are having a good time. I'm I'm so excited about this, man. How are you doing, first and foremost? and, And where's your head at after this weekend? Uh, I'm not
1: going to lie. I'm living. It's been a, it's been a great week. Uh, there's a lot of great things happening in the NBA right now. But I got to tell you, man, uh, a lot of good basketball happening. And I think there's some, some stuff to get into. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are exactly who we thought they were, um, as it was said in the press conference. So it's going to be a great, great day, man. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about, really.
0: There's so much. There's just so much to go over. We have a Game 7 that we get to react to in the third segment as well. There's going to be some fun combos there about where this playoff bracket is officially at now. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about of the second round. You get the cream of the crop really rising to the top in, in the second round of the playoffs after what I think was a little bit of a shaky start. A little, little bit of a shaky start for some of these teams in that first round. Get to knock out the, the weak teams like Milwaukee. Uh, things like that. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, that's that's uh, that's probably unfair. But either way, we're gonna have a good time with this. But we have to focus on first uh, the Denver Nuggets side of things. I want to do hangover takes. I want to do uh, kind of sitting on this where we both reacted. You had your post game pod. I had my post game pod. I did an article. Uh, everybody, if, if you're listening to this, if you want the immediate reactions, then make sure to go check out those episodes after you listen to this one. But uh, make sure to go support us on, on those factors there. Uh, Swiper, I don't know if you were expecting what happened in game one. I don't know if you were expecting what was going to go down <laughs> in game one, but the Nuggets delivered the first punch. That's for sure. They did it in a big, big way, just like they did it in, to Minnesota in the first round. Uh, was this what you were expecting? And and just after you've had a, a day to sleep on it, where, where are you at with this series right now? You assume that I've slept
1: since that game. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think I predicted the score of the game was going to be, I think, 118 to 108 or 106 to 116. I think that was kind of where I thought the game would land. Um, I thought that there would be a high-scoring game on Denver, but I said I didn't think the Suns were going to score over 110 points. Um, But Ryan, I said this maybe a couple days ago on Twitter, but it kind of gives me a 2020 Clippers vibe where everybody yeah. is looking at Paul George and Kawhi or Kevin Durant and Evan Booker and saying, pull up mid-range. This is what's going to beat the Nuggets. They can't guard the pick and roll, but the Nuggets don't struggle historically with pull up jump shooting teams. That's just not yeah. what it gets to them. You have to be able to attack them at the core of their defense with this joker with speed and explosiveness. So Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Anthony Edwards, those are the kind of players that give them the biggest fist. and Devin Booker and KD are going to have good series. The problem is it's like you're not going to be challenging Joker getting by him with Devin Booker's foot speed or even with Kevin Durant's foot speed. And on top of that, when you've got KCP and Bruce Brown and Christian Brown. So for me, Ryan, in February when the trade went down and I asked this question, and dare I say I haven't yet received an answer, who on the Phoenix Suns is supposed to be playing defense? Ryan, the Nuggets had a 130 offensive rating for cleaning the glass yesterday. They had like a one nineteen offensive rating, I think, and in, in the half court yesterday, and I yeah. think they held the Suns. If I remember correctly, I think the Suns had like an eighty nine, a ninety, a ninety offensive rating in the half court. That's wild. Well, why is that? Because if you give the Nuggets an opportunity to have a good shot profile, meaning layups and dunks and three pointers, and then you have Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic shot making. Michael Porter Jr. shot-making as well, and then if you give them a steady diet of shots they want to take in the first place, and then you're limiting yourself to mid-range jumpers, which you're inevitably going to start missing at some point in time, and then they're running in transition, and then you don't have the defensive personnel to give Jamal Murray a hard time on the ball in the pick and roll, you're asking for the worst of the worst. And I think for me, it's like the Nuggets, if they're setting their defense and they're watching you come down the court dribbling the ball, that's when they're at their best. They suck in transition. But if you're saying that we're going to get easy baskets and then we're going to get down to court, we're going to be able to ice Chris Paul, we're going to be able to, to stunt and hedge on Katie and Booker, and then we're going to make solid rotation. And then if we don't make a solid rotation, the very best shooters we're going to leave open are Josh Okoge and CP3. And then we're going to give DeAndre Aiden a couple floaters here and there, basically give him the Rashawn Holmes treatment when we do decide that we want to trap on the ball. So I, I just – I. Again, right. I said I feel, I feel like I've been repeating myself since February, and I feel like yesterday was just a validation of what we thought might happen.
0: It's a great first punch for Denver. It, it was exactly what they had to have happen in this series, because if you go down, if you don't bring the requisite energy and intensity at the beginning of the series, then I think the Suns are a team where once they get that confidence going, the ball's mm-hmm. going to keep rolling downhill. The boulder's going to keep rolling down the mountain. Like they're a team that, if they develop momentum, they're gonna make those crazy shots and Booker's gonna go for 45 and Durant's gonna go for 50. And like those those numbers are gonna get crazy. But every single time they had a basket, every single time they started getting on a run, it felt like the Nuggets answered the call. It felt like they answered it every single time. And I think you gotta go with Jamal Murray here as the the guy that if you're going to talk about anybody rising to the occasion in these playoffs, knowing that you have to be better than what the expectations were, Jamal Murray's that dude. and, And he was that dude back in the bubble where you, you talk about the Clippers and the pecking order there. That I, that was a take that we share where I think everybody was talking about Kawhi and PG as the playoff duo that, okay, two apex wings, no way that Denver can guard those guys. Like it, it takes a village. It takes a lot. You're probably not going to stop them in all seven games uh, if if it does go seven here. But uh, you, you just got to stop them in a certain number of them, and then you've got to outscore them in the others. And I think that Jamal upsetting the pecking order a little bit for what people expected to happen, if he's going to be the best player in this series, the Denver's going to win. <laughs> like that's that feels pretty pretty easy to say. That feels like a pretty easy thing to to be able to compliment about, but. I do think that if he continues to rise to the occasion here with this, like everybody's heads are going to roll. Like nobody, nobody knows what they're talking about anymore. If Jamal hasn't made a, a all-star game in his entire career, and then he's rising to the occasion and playing like playoff MJ.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, right. I think a lot of this comes down to, now we talked about this with the uh, deep injury show with uh, Matt and with Adam the other day. And uh, you know, two things I think take away from that. You know, we, we talked about the idea, you know, could Jamal Murray at least match Devin Booker as a player in this series? And I think there was some, you know, I think there was good pushback to it, given the fact that Devin Booker had that incredible series versus the Clippers in the regular season, first team All-NBA last year. But I think we just discount continuously, uh, at least a lot of people do, that Jamal Murray doesn't, He okay, first team All-NBA, what does that mean to me? You know, yeah. Donovan Mitchell was an all-star when they went up against each other in the Utah Jazz Series. What does that mean to me? Jamal Murray had never made an all-star game. He outplayed Kawhi Leonard in a series two. What does that mean to me? Like he, he went against LeBron James and put up what 26, like five and six on 45% from three in that Lakers series. What does that mean to me? Like, I don't, none of this stuff means anything. So when you get on the court and you play against Jamal Murray, you have to play your best. And you also have to believe that he is going to give you the very best back. And for me, it's like Jamal Murray is not afraid of competition. Even yesterday, you saw CP3 take that little cheap shot at him, which, you know, that's what CP3 does because he couldn't out he couldn't beat Jamal on a basketball court. So then, you know, Jamal laughed at him and said that we're, we're doing something right if CP3 is doing that. And especially, Ryan, it ain't like that's game seven. It's game one. And you're down 25 so points funny. and you're resorting to that. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's just like, I think Jamal has a clear edge. This is Jamal very serious. If your best answer, Ryan... If Josh a The answer, Jamal Murray. Yeah, you you might not, you might not have an opportunity.
0: I I want to make this clear. I'm bringing up this comment from five 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 ish. You guys need to call out Matt Moore for his terrible Jamal Murray take on the Denver show. Uh, yes, we did, and I made sure to do it in the in the uh, media room yesterday. And he's like, Ryan, make sure we gotta scrub the audio. We gotta scrub everything of what he said about Jamal Murray and the Devin Booker matchup. Like it was clearly, clearly a, a issue with that. And like, like he, he owned up to it. He's like, yeah, we can just uh, throw that out the window. And and I think Matt definitely understands that he is like, he understands, like he, he really enjoyed what Devin Booker did in that first round. But like I've been saying, like guys on Denver are just taller. They're just bigger and they're just better defensively than, than what, the Clippers were able to throw out there consistently. And that's going to be a big factor in this, whether it helps them against Durant or not remains to be seen. Like they, they took advantage of Durant from an energy, energy perspective, but uh, there's a couple of guys that I think that we should mention. Uh, one of them is Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. I think that Aaron Gordon, he is, I mean, this is the first time that he's actually in an ideal position, right? Like this is what he was brought in to do. He was brought in to be that that apex wing defender, that apex forward defender, and he didn't get to really match up with Kawhi, didn't really get to match up with LeBron, didn't get to match up with Luka Doncic. Like Those are the guys that they brought him in for. But in comes Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets, something that the Nuggets never expected to have happen, but they were fortunately ready for it because A.G., At least in Game 1, we'll see what happens for the rest of the series. But he matched that energy, and he competed his ass off. And like he just shows a lot of what this Nuggets team needs in order to match up with a guy like Kevin Durant.
1: Yeah, uh, I I said this before the series. The Nuggets are a more physical team anyway. But then you add A.G. in there, who is not afraid of anyone and physically – did 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 you see him taking the ball to the basket versus like Tory Craig oh, and God. even like trying to body DeAndre Ayton Again, man, like they just have such a clear physicality advantage in the series. And you know where it starts? It does start with Joker and AG for sure. But guess what? KCP, Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, they all embody the same thing. They were getting absolutely physical with them yesterday. And Aaron Gordon maybe was the biggest proponent because Aaron Gordon had multiple tough finishes at the rim and then on top of that on the other side when it comes to offense, Kevin Durant was acting like he was like Jared Vanderbilt from the three-point line and just said that we're not going to let we're just going to let you shoot threes whenever.
0: Hey like, man, I do want to I want to mention like I saw Jared Vanderbilt like pulling up for three in the corner like in the, in this last game six for, yeah. for the Lakers. I was blown away. I could not believe yeah. it that he was doing that, and he made one. Like More power to him, but hey,
1: go ahead. No, I agree. I think that I saw him do it as well. I just think that they're giving him maybe the Dylan Brooks treatment, but he's just yeah. not that kind of shooter. And I think that if you're going to say we're going to dare AG to hit three, well, he's going to hit at least one of them. But AG's also, in the playoff, what I love, Ryan, and maybe you can speak to this too, He hasn't had a bad shot profile. He takes a couple shots, like the fadeaway he had on Torrey Craig yesterday where you're like, I don't love it, but you also like we're under control. If AG's not hitting three, then he's just going to get to the rim. And I'm sorry, I'm not afraid of DeAndre Ayton at all when it comes to rim protection. So if I got a chance to try to body Kevin Durant or Kevin Durant is not by the paint at all, then I'm going to take it into the hoop, and that's what he did. And so especially, right, those small ball lineups they were playing when they were switching everything, oh, yeah, that that was food airport
0: his three his, his his shots were almost entirely like catch and shoot threes mostly from mm-hmm. the corner uh but there was one from a from the wing where he, he made that one too and, and good on him for being able to do that uh but like you said just all of the other shots are at the rim all of the other shots are trying to punish a, a weak interior defense for the suns and like i i was impressed with kevin durant's shot blocking like i i think that that dude he, he's incredible. And there's a lot of reasons to uh, not fear him, but like try to avoid that if possible. But there's also a lot of reasons to try to go through that and to try to tire him out. KD had 14 rebounds and three blocks. You don't think that affected him on the offensive end towards the end of that game where he's turning the ball over and not necessarily as precise as he needs to be? Of course it does. Of course. Absolutely. And Ag is a big part of that when he plays with that force when he plays with that physicality and and he was he was delivering on that end pretty much every single time and and this, I mean it's just what they wanted him to do it's what they asked him to do and and he's really changed his game where that that shot that he had against Tory Craig he looked like Kawhi Leonard on that play <laughs> like he had the ball on a string turned him around to the post got him on his hip and was like you're too little I'm gonna shoot over you and then he he did exactly that but. He can go to that every now and then, but the most important thing he can do is just dominate the Suns physically, and he's capable of doing that.
1: Yeah, and again, you know, some people are going to be like, "Well, Kevin Durant, you know, he shot over fifty percent, had twenty nine points." So with Ag actually playing defense, I said, "Yeah, well, relative to Kevin Durant, yes, he was like you don't stop players like that." I think, but now I think what's going to happen now in the stretch of the series. As the games get tighter, you can play a little bit more physical, and I think that's going to have a little bit more effect. But again, AG, you have a six foot eight, two hundred and thirty pound wing that you can put on the center, the four, and and the three, and the also, and some guards and stuff as well. Like he's almost like a better, bigger version of Josh Hart in some ways, like just the way he's able to be physical uh, with other teams. And I just think he has so much value, man. And I, I really do think that this is going to be an Aaron Gordon series where people are like, man, I can just see why he's so important to what that team is trying to accomplish. And like I said, bro, next to Joker, it's just like such a potent 4-5 matchup that almost nobody in the NBA has the ability to deal with that,
0: including Rudy Gobert and Carl anthony Towns. Including them like that's it's it's a tough matchup for for even those guys. But that's that's just how dominant and physical that Jokic and AG have been like people forget like for for the first half of the season. AG had an all star campaign like, like he mm-hmm. was very close, very close to making that. And like I, I know a lot of people want to talk talk up the Suns talent, but they've only got two like they've got KD and they've got book like CP3 is not there anymore. And and DeAndre and certainly not there from a an impact perspective. So. Denver's got guys and, and obviously like Murray's really stepped up as that, that second best guy, but especially of late, but even first best guy at times. But uh, I just, I think that Denver's they've, they've got so much talent, man. And, and there's, there's a lot of people that are starting to realize it for sure. Um, let's go one, one more here before, uh, unless you've got another take, but Bruce Brown to me, like take a bow, Bruce Brown, like that, that dude has been Unbelievable in the playoffs so far. And he's been everything the Nuggets have asked him to be. He's aggressive. He's physical. He's attacking. He is a predator on both ends of the floor where he's hunting for steals, bodying people up on the glass, and then like attacking in transition and, and doing a lot of crazy things where he he doesn't have to like hit all of the shots, but he hits the occasional three and it opens up his game to drive all the way to the rim. It's just been it's been really impressive to watch him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 11.8 points so far in the playoff. Yeah, he's shooting 55.8% from the field. Uh, I think he's shooting around 70% from two, I believe. He might still be there, if not at 70%. He's only shooting 20% from three, but he's okay. In the Denver Nuggets offense, you don't need to take threes because right. the fact of the matter is he's getting to the rim at will because he's playing against backup guards. Or he's getting off a DHO with Nikola Jokic and DeAndre Ayton is not going to leave Joker in order to contest at the rim. And you saw that yesterday. So I think he had 14 points yesterday. His defense is spectacular. He had two straight rips on Kevin Durant, like his ability to play big in the post versus Ayton and then in the mid versus versus Booker and versus Kevin Durant. And then even his size, his physicality, and his speed, his explosiveness, the way he's able to weaponize those thing versus Devin Booker and CP3. I'm telling you, man, like, he – and, you know, a lot of people keep referencing the Suns the, – the Nugget depth, and I agree. But I think people just – it's not the depth in their scoring. Their scoring versatility is in their starters. The depth is in their defense and their grit and their ability to attack you and in, in their side. Bruce Brown is six foot four with the skills he had, but Christian Brown at six foot six with the skills and physicality he had, plus Jeff Green. And then if you need to go Deke Najee or something like that, the Nuggets are big. They're physical and they want to play defense. It's
0: been fun. It's been fun. And and Bruce isn't playing a ton of small forward right now. He's playing a lot of Uh, point guard of shooting guard Mm -hmm. and and Denver's just not a small team anymore like they've been in years past and Mm
1: -hmm. uh, Michael
0: Porter being playable uh just just consistently playable and just an impact guy has has really changed the narrative and changed the the complexion of this team I think and Denver's just got a lot of options now they've got a lot of versatility and a lot of size and a lot of physicality at all these positions It's it's been great to watch man
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, by the way, I don't know. Are we going to get a a section about Michael Porter Jr.? But he was also incredible. You know, he only had 11 points yesterday. But that little spurt he had when he had that three-pointer, he got to the basket and then got a mid-range. Again, when you watch Michael Porter Jr., it's just like, yeah. I mean, if he was the number one option on a bad team years ago, he would be a 25 points per game score, if not better right now. And he would be averaging eight rebounds. So he'd be around 25, eight, and two, be a great scoring wing. And then now his ability – to be switched out. But here's the thing I love about the Nuggets. They are aware enough of Porter to be like, Porter, you could be on an island at times and we trust you. He got a steal versus Devin Booker yesterday. But at the same time, they're still bringing help to get him off of Devin when they need to because they're like, well, we're not going to like put you in a situation for you to have to do something you're not best at. Because what he is best at now, apparently, is playing help and playing off ball because it's that deflection he had when they would try to run that pick and roll and dump it into DeAndre Ayton and he was getting steals there or contesting at the rim. Again, man, he was a game-high plus 29 yesterday Rob. with 11 points.
0: Just impactful. Like that dude, he knows how to do it, and and the Nuggets have been able to leverage that in so many different ways. It's been great to see. It's been great to see, and and there's just a lot to really like about what Denver has done in this game one. But there's a lot of series left to play, and and you know – that the Suns are going to come back with a vengeance trying to get another game, a winning game two, because the difference between going down two zero versus being tied one, one, if you're the Suns is a really big deal. If you're going back mm-hmm. to your house, uh, there, there's less of a chance if, if you go down two zero. So they're going to go out, they're going to come out fighting and we're going to talk about that on the other side, for sure. Uh, there's, there's a lot to discuss in terms of adjustments for game two, but first, I do want everybody to hear me about Superbook Sports, the sponsor for this podcast. They do a great job. They're here to help you out with the postseason for hockey and for hoops. They're going to make all of your betting count this spring with Superbook. The app, it's the best around, best wagering app around that you can find with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1 800 522 4700. We'll be right back on weekends with Swipe Up. ax and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much everybody for tuning in joined by my good guy swipe a cam who we, we're hyped like this was what we were waiting for in this series and there's just a lot to be excited about got so many people in the chat on both the mhs side and on the on swipe a cam's channel make sure to give this a like on each of those channels if you can it would help us out greatly want to keep spreading this out and if there's, a, if there's a conference finals or an NBA finals, we're, we're going to blow these channels up, man. Like this is going to be a lot of fun for out, throughout the, the rest of the playoffs, I think. So everybody make sure to give this a like. All right, my friend, let's talk about Game 2. I think the Suns are going to do some different things in Game 2. I, I don't think that they got to the things that they wanted to get to partially because Denver like did a great job of stopping them, partially because Denver did a great job of being physical, kind of directing them into what the Nuggets wanted, which was ISOs, going baseline, avoiding going middle, doing a lot where you are like not getting everybody else involved. They're trying to turn it into a one-man show or a two-man show with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And the, the Nuggets did a great job with that. But I got to imagine that the Suns will do more in this next game to try to get everybody else involved, to try to get the ball moving a little bit more, uh, to try to get up a little bit more threes. They only attempted 23 three-pointers in the game, but they attempted five in the first half of that game where it was really definitive about that math battle. Uh, Can you say a little bit more about the math battle in this series and why it just matters so much for the Nuggets in this one?
1: Yeah, um, no problem. I would love to speak about this. Um, Well, one of the reasons is is the fact that if you have a mid-range shooting team and their entire roster construction is built around them maximizing that shot at a 50% clip, that's great. Wonderful. That's a great strategy to have. The problem is that if you play against a team that likes to live in the paint and also can get very, very efficient three-point shot, which they got 37 of them yesterday, well then you're bound to lose that math battle. And then the other side of this is too if the Denver Nuggets absolutely hounded the offensive glass yesterday for 16 offensive rebounds. And then on top of that, they shot what was it, what was it, 24 more shots than the Phoenix Suns yesterday?
0: Something like I think it ended up being like 17, 18, something like that. But it was because of the the offensive rebounding. It was because of the 17. turnovers. Like Denver yeah. Denver made it work that way.
1: Seventeen, so they had 17 more shots. The Nuggets had seven less turnovers. The Nuggets had 11 more boards, eight more offensive rebounds, and they had 14 more threes put up. So if you add all that stuff together, then you're going to get demolished, and that's exactly what happened. So I think adjustment for game two is Monty Williams knows that they got to get – well, here's the thing, right? Again, I'm just going to touch on their offense. They want to get better shots. They want to get more threes up. They're going to definitely try to do that. But the Nuggets are going to funnel them to their spots. That they want them to go to. They're not going to let them get wide open three from Booker and KD. They're going to give opportunities for Okogie, for Cray, and for Ayton and CP3. But you're not going to get wide open three pointers unless they just fail on an offensive rebound and secure, and it gets kicked out the KD, which happened yesterday. And I'm going to tell you what happened. KD got a. They got to kick out the KD. KD got the ball like six feet. Between him and the next clears the defender, I just put my head down and I just wrote it down. I just said three-pointer for Kevin Durant. And it obviously went in because, again, that's the kind of shooter he is. But the problem is, is that the Nuggets are going to try to funnel them to hit tough, contested mid-range shots because that's the best math game for the Nuggets. So even if that's your best skill, we want you to shoot those shots because we're going to beat, beat you on the other side. But adjustments for Phoenix in game two, Brian, I've seen some stuff floating and circulating. The Suns, because they don't want to deal with Jamal Murray, they might try to start trapping Jamal Murray on the ball, To which I'm like, so what you're telling me is, is that you're going to do what the Utah Jazz did in 2020, and you're basically going to see if that joker in a short role can beat you with KCP, with Bruce Brown, or Aaron Gordon, or Jeff Green, or Michael Porter Jr., Look, man, I think they're going to try to get the ball out of Jamal Murray's hands. I think they have to because that's I think they crazy. know they don't have to defend it. But I'm saying, but, but Ryan, if they do that, the, the Nuggets offense is going to be
0: even better. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, that's, that's a great thing. I, I want to hit on the, the mid-rangers first. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's focus on that, and then we'll get to the the offensive stuff for, for Denver. Uh, I think that one thing that the Suns are probably going to try to do is they're probably going to run more CP3 pick and roll. Like, he was standing in the corners a lot. He was away from what they were doing a lot. The one great thing that you can say about Chris Paul is he gets everybody involved as a passer. He gets everybody involved facilitating the offense, putting them into a great position where he could hit those kickouts, where he can hit Aiton on the short roll and then Aiton can make the decisions after that. But I think that that's that's one thing that really stands out about just just the line in this game. only five assists for Chris Paul. Like eight assists for Devin Booker. He made good decisions with the basketball, but one assist for Kevin Durant because they weren't doubling him. Like one assist for Kevin Durant, seven turnovers for Kevin Durant. The ball needs to be in Chris Paul's hands at times where they can they can make better de- Like he can make better decisions setting up KD in the corner, setting up Booker above the arc. Those guys, KD and Booker combined for four attempted threes in this game. Like four, that's that's it, and that's crazy when they combine for seventy six total minutes. And you need that spacing, you need that math game to really work in your favor. So it wouldn't surprise me if they decide to run that Chris Paul DeAndre Ayton pick and roll right at uh, Murray and Jokic. And if that's the case, then those guys are going to have to defend a two on two. Like that, that's just that's going to have to happen because you can't help off of Booker, you can't help off of KD. Like that's that's just. Bad news if, if you try to do that. So that's where I'm looking at it from Denver's perspective. And, and I think that they'll, they'll have their hands full because I, I think that the Suns will try to navigate some of those things to create better looks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So just, just so you're clear, Ryan, uh, Chris Paul in this playoff, again, versus a hampered Clippers team included, he's averaging 13.2, 7.7 to 5 rebound, shooting 50% from the free throw line on uh, less than one attempt a game. He's wow. shooting 32% from three uh, on five attempts a game, and he's shooting 42% from the field on 14 shots a game. So if your answer to pummeling the Denver Nuggets on offense is by putting CP3 in a snake action and letting Jokic ice him, by all means. Because it's not still, a great answer. <laughs> that's what I'm st- saying, man. You're like still not getting open looks for Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. i am telling you that right now, because the Nuggets aren't going to help off of them. Yeah. So you're gonna to have to beat them with that two man game and hope that Chris Paul does what he did in 2021 when he made six straight mid range shots. But again, they're not dropping. They're not playing drop versus the Nuggets versus the Suns. They're icing that Chris, which means that they're trying to get again. And it's not like KCP and Bruce Brown and Christian are bad screen navigators. Even Jamal Murray did a good job yesterday on navigating screens. Yeah. So again, like that's a win. And then again, they're they're gonna try to push Chris Paul to the right or push him to the baseline. So I hope you do that, because if the Sun thinks that's going to work, then again, you're still going to be adding a maybe inefficient two from your worst mid-range shooter, and then on the other side, they're going to look for him on every pick and roll they do, and they're going to try to abuse him on the other side.
0: I just know that CP3 can't lead them in three-point attempts. Like, he was one of five. got to get Booker some looks. you got to get Durant some looks. Uh, hell, you got to get – I mean, well, actually, I'm, I'm just looking at the bench like – I don't know who else they, they get up off their bench. Like they got up a lot of guys uh, kind of picking and choosing different players that they can go to. Is there a guy on the Suns bench that you think, okay, if they play this guy, then then things could change a little bit?
1: I mean, again, Landry Shammons is a good shooter, but he's terrible on uh, everywhere else. Murray. Yeah, Damian Lee, no, he did. He did. <laughs> yeah. Damian Lee's a really good three-point shooter, but again, not great anything else. And then you got Terrence Ross, who's a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Not a playmaker, not an on-ball player, not a defender. So I think for me, it's probably Terrence would be the best bet. But again, he was a backup rotational player for the magic when they were bad. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? There's reasons for that. Like he's a good player relative to the NBA, but he's not a player that affects you. And again, you're still substituting spotty spotty shooting and bad defense for the Nuggets having decent to average shooting off their bench with elite to very good defenders. Yeah. That's just not a good transaction.
0: No, for sure. And like, I, I feel pretty good about if, if they are going to put Terrence Ross on the floor, then Denver's going to attack him. They're going to put him into positions where he's not really comfortable defending. And he he's not a good defender has never been a good defender in his entire career. And that's just going to be like, like the Nuggets have done a great job of picking at those weaknesses pretty much the entire time during these playoffs. So that's that I feel pretty good about that if that is going to be the the adjustment for them Uh but you mentioned on Denver's offensive side here uh countering those adjustments that the Suns are going to make like I, I think you're right that they're going to try to blitz Murray a little bit they're going to try to get the ball out of his hands going to try to play up the level a little bit more and and try to make that pocket pass pretty difficult Uh it's tough like Murray's not a perfect passer he's improved as a passer for sure but like some of those passes are difficult. He's going to have to avoid turnovers as much as possible. If he can avoid those turnovers and get the ball to Jokic in the middle of the floor, you would think it's curtains, right? Like that's probably a, a death knell for for the Suns in that in that scenario.
1: Yeah. So they're gonna probably again. I'm not. I'm not laughing because like I don't think they're gonna make the adjustments. But I'm laughing because this is. I have literally and right. I'm gonna keep saying this. Since the trade happened, I've asked these questions, and no one was. They were just saying, like, even great reporters that I trust, sons are winning this, this series in five games. And I, I would say, why do you think this? And they said, because this is Denver's worst weakness is pick and roll. I said, no, if you watch the Nuggets, they don't struggle with pull up jumpers. Yeah. That's not what gives them issues. The issue is if you can attack the rim at will with fast guards. But anyway, I just think for me, that the Suns are going to make adjustments to try to trap Murray. They might even try to double off Jokic, maybe. But I don't think they're going to do that because I think they feel comfortable with Aiden. But again, I don't think Jokic is going to go 9 for 21 again. So just go ahead and cut that out. Even if he makes some of those tip-ins yesterday, then you know he's actually shooting 11 of 18 or 11 of 19. So then his his stat line looks a little bit different. So I do think they might try to do something about Jamal. Well, But the problem is, if you double off Jamal, you act like Michael Porter Newton done a better shooter. Or KCP isn't just as good of a spot-up shooter. So, I think that's the issue you run into. And then Aaron Gordon was slouched. So, I think they're going to try to maybe limit Jamal, but and and see if they can. I I don't know. But, like, again, Ryan, what are they going to do? They're going to move Kevin Durant up onto him. I I don't know. You know,
0: now Fernando asks a good question here Booker had a really good defensive series in in game or in uh, round one against the Clippers, but. He's also not an elite defender by any stretch of the word. And, and the more that he has to do on the defensive end, the, the harder it's going to be for him to score on the offensive end, just from a, a physicality standpoint, from a workload standpoint. There's a reason why they started Kogi. They did not want to have Booker guard Murray for this entire series because it, it's going to be difficult. Now, Murray, at the end of that third quarter, he, he took a bad shot when going up against Booker. He, he got bumped by him a little bit. And then realized, okay, I've got this guy one on one for the the last shot of the quarter, missed it, missed a wild layup, and then they they go down the other end. If Murray gets into hero ball, trying to go one up Devin Booker, that's probably a bad thing for Denver. Like you, you want him to just keep playing his game, mm-hmm. keep being comfortable. But I, I do think that Denver can still do some things. Like like even if even if Booker's guarding Murray, like it's not some sort of matchup that I feel bad about if if you're the Nuggets, but. If they do that, it might give them the freedom to put a, a better offensive player out there in place of a Kogi.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, I think the problem is sometimes I think what I'm hearing and again, Ron, this should me, you know, you can please correct me if you feel differently. I feel like Suns, their their goal is going to be like, we need to get better shot quality. It's yeah. going to be one of the things they are looking for. But that's not that wasn't their actual issue. Yeah, they couldn't make shots, but they couldn't get stops. So Devin Booker. Putting him on Jamal, all they're going to do is put Devin Booker in constant action, constantly, and that way he has to chase Jamal everywhere. Because guess what, Jamal doesn't have to guard Devin Booker, but every one of every five possessions, maybe, because you got you got KCP and Bruce Brown and Christian for that. So I think for me, it's just if you're saying Devin Booker is going to be your best defensive option to be an on-ball defender, well, he's not that great of an on-ball defender. Where I'm completely concerned about that. But on the other side of it, Devin Booker was not good off-ball. As a defender yesterday. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's like, definitely true. And and like honestly, if if the Suns' goal here is to win games one thirty five to one thirty, it's probably not a great goal. Like it's probably not a great process. If you're if you're willingly conceding, knowing that you're going to give up one hundred and thirty points, that's not great. Like you're going to want to play better than that. I, I just I I don't see that as a as a great option for them. If, if I'm if I'm that team. Yeah.
1: Well, I think, too, the Nuggets are prioritizing the rebound because they want to end possessions. And I think that's, the, that's, that's probably the thing that's going to be the biggest advantage for them is, okay, the Suns, talk, they're not going to miss a lot, but because they can't stop you, when you do stop them, you have to secure the rebound and you have to run and set up your offense. I think that's the Nuggets' biggest advantage is that the, the Suns haven't played together long enough to be able to counteract some of those advantages they have by setting up their offense, running in transition, and securing rebounds to end your offensive possession.
0: We will see what they ultimately do. Uh, I gotta imagine that, like like you said, the rebounding, that's it's gonna be tough for the Suns. I don't know what they're gonna do if if Ayton gets into foul trouble. I wonder if they move Kevin Durant to the five off the bench so that they don't have to play uh Landale or Bismack Biombo, guys like that. They tried playing Ayton against Denver's second unit, and it didn't work at all. Like Denver just switched all of those matchups and Aiton wasn't punishing enough in, in in those particular games, so maybe that'll change. Maybe he'll play better going forward. Like he's certainly talented and and capable of doing that, but if the if the counter that they are going to involves less Aiton and more KD doing hard things, like I'm I'm not sure that's a great thing either for them.
1: Yeah, I, I just think that when you're playing the Nuggets, you want to get easy ba- easy buckets, like the 2021 series, which. Again, Ryan, uh, going into this series, I saw film of that uh, matchup being played constantly. Like, this is what the Suns are going to do to Denver. And I'm looking at the court. I'm like, is that Marcus Howard and Austin Rivers? And Austin <laughs> and it's like, not the same team, not the same scheme. And it's just a completely different situation. So for me, it's just like, the Suns are going to be trying to get easy looks, but the Nuggets know that. But the Nuggets aren't going to give you easy looks. That's the whole point. They want you to take difficult, contested mid-range shots. And so they're going to continue to make you do this. And even Aiden, Aiden, if you're going to stagger with the second unit, because and I think in Monty's mind, he was like, well, look, if I put Aiden against A.G. And then maybe the size, maybe that size advantage with Devin Booker and, and, and Kevin Durant, that would create some opportunities for us to get some some offensive rebounds, the score inside, all this stuff. But, boy, Aiden is not enough of a physical threat for you to actually be worried about that if you got AG and Jeff Green on the court, you know, like I'm not worried about him dominating with matchup. So again, we'll have to see, but once again, Ryan, I'm just going back to, I think the Suns, they can absolutely shoot their way in the games, but defensively, they're just going to have to be able to do something. I don't know if they can do from a schematic and personnel standpoint.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're going to see. I just, I don't know what that's ultimately going to look like. Uh but here's one more question before we hit another break. Uh the Nuggets weren't perfect. D- despite the fact like what what everybody wants to tell you about the shooting, about the the possession game about Murray, like they like Denver wasn't perfect in that game. I think you could throw out the 9 of 21 from from Joker and some of those baskets that he missed. Uh Michael Porter went 1 of 4 from 3. Mm-hmm. Like there there's there's other ways that I think that they can improve. Uh, is there something that stands out to you in terms of hey, Denver can actually get better in this category than, than what they actually showed?
1: Yeah, finishing. Um, finishing in the paint for sure. Uh, they didn't finish at the level that they normally do. Um, even yesterday uh, when shooting in the paint, uh, I want to say they missed 10 easy baskets. 10 easy baskets at the paint. And again, I think that's finishing from Nikola Jokic. I think in the first quarter, starting off a little better defensively because I think you allowed them to get a little bit easy into their shots in the first quarter. It's like Katie at 15 right away. Um, and I think also like they didn't turn the ball over a lot. They only had nine turnovers. But I think really making sure that you're not creating opportunities for them to get back into the game by just playing dumb basketball. Namely, the start of the third quarter when they were up 17 points. And they gave up a four-point run because Joker overplayed Aiden at the half court with under 10 seconds left. So weird.
0: Such a weird play. I
1: was like, what are you doing? Like, that's not Steph Curry. Like, why are you all the way out there? And then on top of that, they gave up an offensive rebound. Like, so cutting out that kind of stuff, for sure, I think would help them to be better in game two. Because you better believe the Suns are going to play tighter in game two because they know they need to. So they're gonna to try to be less mistake prone and try to again get easy shot. So you have to take care of the ball and have a good possession more on your side.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with fouls. Like Denver, they're they're gonna to have to be physical. There's no doubt about that. But you know that the Suns are gonna drive into you. You know they're gonna be hunting those arms, they're gonna be trying to get your hands caught in the cookie jar. Like that's just how they are going to play in this upcoming game uh, on on Monday. Booker and Durant combined for 12 free-throw attempts in the game. Denver, uh, Phoenix as a whole only had 17. They're going to try to double that number. That, that I, I feel pretty strongly about. They are going to try to double it, and the Nuggets are going to have to stay disciplined. They cannot get caught with the fouls and giving up those easy points because that's going to make things a lot more difficult for, for Denver on both ends of the floor, frankly, because then it allows the Suns to set their defense, mm. and it, it allows them to rest in game. At the free throw line. So that would be my thing is just make sure not to get caught with the fouls. Uh, that is going to be a thing that the Suns try to do.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're definitely going to try. You saw Devin Booker tried multiple times to get in there, Bruce Brown. Um, then at the end of the half, I think he tried to bait, I think maybe Joker. I can't remember who it was, into fouling him. So yeah, for sure. You could definitely see they're going to target that.
0: We will see what ultimately happens. But for now, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss. Uh, some of like this Warriors Kings game seven was was a little bit disappointing at the end, but we got a crazy performance out of Steph Curry. We'll talk about that on the other side, along with the rest of the playoff bracket. But first, I want to tell everybody about Afternoon Drive with Anilo and Cody looking to add a new sports talk show to your daily mix. Then be sure to check out Afternoon Drive with Anilo Piro and Cody Rourke each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m on Mile High Sports. They're bringing a fresh perspective. They will be going over the Colorado Avalanche Game 7 tonight. They'll be going over the Nuggets-Suns Game 1. That's all coming up on Monday. They're going to have a lot to talk about. They also have NFL Draft to talk about if you're interested in that. That just happened over this weekend. So uh, Anilo, he does a great job covering all sports. Cody does a great job too, but he's more focused on the Broncos as the lead beat reporter there. So make sure to check that out. You can stream Afternoon Drive with AP and Rourke on Mile High Sports Mobile, milehighsports.com, and listen on 98.1 FM or 107.5 HD3. Make sure to check those out or listen to On Demand uh, for for the podcast side, Afternoon Drive with Anil O'Piro and Cody Rourke, wherever you get podcasts. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. folks final segment here thank you so much for tuning in make sure to drop a like on these shows we got a whole bunch of people in the chat thank you so much for hanging out with us on this sunday i, I know that this is an abnormal time sometimes to be to be doing this but this is weekends with swipe for a reason and we're, we're having fun on these days and, and we got a lot to talk about still first and foremost we got to react to this game man i i was a little bit disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I was hoping that the Kings would be able to pull this one out. I would hope, hoping that they would be able to rise to the occasion. But, uh, veteran leadership, veteran poise that leads and, and reigns supreme in, in games like these. And, and also, one of those teams had Steph Curry and one of those teams didn't swipe him.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I predicted to Series 7 uh, before the series started. And I, a lot of Warriors fans were upset with me, like, how, just champions versus the Kings. Talking, well, the Kings are a very good team. Like they they've been good all year. The Warriors have struggled at multiple different things this year, uh, including defensively and on the road, all that other stuff. But uh, they played really well today. Steph had in 38 minutes run, uh, 50 points, eight rebounds, six assists, 20 of 38 from the field, seven of 18 from three, three of five from the free throw line. Um, he also had a steal. And he was a plus 25. Brian, let me read the starters to you and their plus minuses. Draymond Green, a plus 25 in a 20-point win. Steph Curry, a plus 25 and a 20-point win. Andrew Wiggins, a plus 25 in a 20-point win. Clay Thompson, a plus 30 and a 20-point win. And Kavon Looney, a plus 25 with, in 31 minutes, by the way, 11 points, 21 rebounds, 4 assists. And he also had, he was 4 or 5 from the field. So, They uh, are very good um, when they need to be very good. And again, Ron, I have a question for you. I asked you for the show that you are not allowed to cop out of this answer. (laughs) Uh, If Steph Curry wins another ring this year for you, and will be his fifth and presumably his second Finals MVP, is Steph Curry a top five player in NBA history?
0: Man, five rings is incredible. (laughs) It's it's. Unbelievable if he's able to do that, and I know a couple of those with Kevin Durant with those like unfair Warriors teams were, were pretty tough, but they had to survive the the Houston Rockets in that 2018 run. Uh, they had to outpace LeBron and Kyrie and K Love, and in the run before that. But I don't know, like it's it's a it is a crazy career that Steph Curry has had so far. He was drafted in 2009. And this is, I think, his was fourteenth season, fifteenth season, something like that. And to have five rings already, as either the leader or the co-star in all but like or in, in all of those, like it's crazy. It is a crazy career, and like you talked about, he's redefining the game. He has been unbelievable, and probably like. I mean, LeBron has been the most impactful player in this era, but Steph is really close. <laughs> he's he's doing some crazy things uh, for for the culture of basketball right now, and just has completely redefined what it means to be a six foot three guy, six foot three guy in some in like a, a game full of tall people, a game full of players that are unbelievable athletes and unbelievable uh, talented players that feast around the rim. He's doing that too, but doing it at six, three and pretty skinny. So it's been pretty crazy to see now is where I have to actually answer the question. Um, <laughs> I think, I think I would have him fifth. I think I would have him fifth. I would have Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem <sighs> magic, and then Curry, but I could see it being fourth. Like I, I, I honestly could see him being fourth, uh, Kareem has, like, he still has that longevity for sure. Like, nobody's touching that, not even LeBron. But, like, it's been unbelievable to watch, like, what, what he's been able to do, Steph Curry, in such a brief amount of time. And think about where his career started, man. All of the, the ankle injuries, all of that stuff. Like, he's redefined what it means to be just a championship-level athlete. And uh just been incredible to watch him for sure.
1: Yeah, Uh I struggle with this one a little bit because in my mind, I'm thinking Michael Jordan. I remember watching Michael Jordan. Uh, I just don't think there's anything I've ever seen close to that. Um There was just never a player outside of LeBron really that I've ever seen. Like you go into a playoff setting and it's just a countdown until you're going to lose, you know, like Michael, they would play that music uh in the Chicago Bulls arena and it was just a wrap. So Michael, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Here's the thing. I think magic now a little bit of a toss up for me a little bit, because I think magic is, has been the greatest point guard of all time uh, before, you know, you can say Steph and Steve Nash and, you know, maybe Joker. He's the greatest offensive engine ever. So I think he's like probably a top four offensive player ever still. Like, yeah. you know, you know, depending where you want to put Jordan and all that. Um, but yeah, man, I just think that like there may, I, Tim Duncan for me The more I've watched his career. I'm like the dude was an all NBA defender and an elite offensive player for 15 years. It's a long time. And he, has, and he has five rings and two MVPs. And I think he has, is it four finals MVPs?
0: Yeah, because, I mean, he, he was the finals MVP for all but the 2007 one with Tony Parker.
1: No, Pretty so true. three. So three finals MVPs. And Kawhi won it in 2014.
0: Oh, that's okay. So three finals. I mean, still more of the stuff.
1: Yeah, so three finals MVP, two MVPs. Uh what was the all defense? Like like twelve, like it was it might have been fifteen times, first team ball defense or something like that. Yeah. Uh he never won DPOY though, but he should have um, at some point in time. Bro, I don't know. It might end up being like Tim Duncan might move up for me and Steph might take five. So I think I might change it to where Tim is four, Steph is five, and then Magic might be six. Um, which sounds blasphemous, but I think I think after this one, I think Steph Curry will be the greatest point guard for me of all time. But I don't know if I could put him above Tim or, or Magic above Tim relative to their career. But I will say that I think it's the two-way value that I would hold on to. But I also think that this nonsense about two-way value is crazy because everybody said Joker couldn't win MVP this year because he wasn't a two-way superstar like Giannis and MB when Giannis is out in the first round and they had the worst defense in the playoffs in the first round. So you need think, an offensive engine. Yeah.
0: It's all fake, man. <laughs> it's all fake. Everybody, they—they're just contriving. They're—they're they're just doing whatever, whatever they can to contrive all these narratives. And Joker's risen to the occasion, and, and Giannis just didn't. But don't don't worry, it wasn't a failure. It was just we don't we don't want to we don't want to go there.
1: I uh, um, like Giannis, so I mean I agree with his quote with a human being. But yeah, I mean number one, to Ludington AC. Yeah, that's, that would yeah. be called a, a failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I I think that I I don't want to put Steph like he's still got to get there. Like it, it's, to yeah. me, it's still a possibility that the Lakers outplay them. And I think that we should transition to actually, well, before that shout out to the Kings who had a great yeah, series sure. and who had a great season. And uh, DeMontis Sabonis ran into Moses Maloney. Like that's, that's unfortunate. Like that's just, it, it, sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pour one out for the guy, but uh De'Aaron Fox breaking his finger. Like that's, that's hard. That's, that's a, that's a difficult way to go, but if he didn't break his finger, I think it's very possible that the Kings actually win that series, but they just weren't ready for that environment to game seven. I don't think it's, it's not surprising, but, but that is what happened. Yeah. You're not, you're not beating respectfully. I, and I said the Kings had an
1: incredible season. I predicted in seven and step at home because you're not beating in your first playoff run a top seven to eight player in his prime with a team that's won four championships and been to six. You're not beating them on a game seven in
0: your first playoff run. That's just not happening. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Let's transition now to Lakers versus Warriors. Uh, uh, Obviously, Suns-Nuggets is the better matchup just from a talent standpoint, but you've still got LeBron versus Steph, Anthony Davis matching up with Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and D'Angelo Russell, like Austin Reeves. Uh, (laughs) That's pretty funny, but... Like that's gonna be that's gonna be a war in and of itself. Like two fan bases in California that are just absolutely nutso. And and that's gonna be a, a crazy one that if Denver's lucky enough to advance to the conference finals, then like they're gonna face one of those teams on the other side. So what are your initial impressions of what a Lakers versus Warriors series could look like here?
1: Uh, I predicted yesterday that I think the Warriors will win in six games. Hmm. Um I just think that they have the better top-end talent to scheme. I don't believe in D'Angelo Russell. I don't care about Yeah, that him.
0: was a joke. I just want to clear that with the chat right now. <laughs> that was clearly a joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think even Austin Reeves and them, like, they're going to have so many issues with Steph and Clay on a perimeter. But Anthony Davis is very good. LeBron James is very good still. Like, He's not the same LeBron, but he's still very good. Um, I think for personal reasons, I would rather – want the Warriors to win. Um, I think they could win, but I also, I'm not going to just completely slide by the fact that the Lakers have looked really good defensively and Anthony Davis has been the best defensive player in the playoffs. So how much does that matter in this series? A little bit. You know, I think that like it's different when you're working with a, the best player is a off ball scoring guard, you know, like that's a little different. So your value kind of diminishes when it comes to rim protection, but it's still important. So, I think the Warriors are going to win in six, but I'm also like – I could see it going seven if if it needs to.
0: What do you think is a tougher matchup for Anthony Davis? Is it the Jaron Jackson, Xavier Tillman, Santi Aldama trio, or is it the Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, uh, Andrew Wiggins trio?
1: Oh, it's easily Draymond, just from the IQ alone. Like, Draymond's as good of a defender as Anthony Davis is, so that's the first thing. On you know, side of this, Kevon Looney is going to make him work way more almost anybody else could make him work. Twenty-one rebounds, eleven offensive rebounds, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Eleven.
0: Swiper, you're so close to the camera. (laughs) I'm
1: sorry, that's that's Dennis Rodman. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, I I called him Moses Maloney. I think that's a uh like he he's been he's been crazy, man. He's been he's been a lot of fun. I I do want to mention that Joker in the last year's playoffs played him completely and entirely off play. the floor. They knew that they could not play him against Joker, and and Looney has just made Demonte Sabonis into mincemeat during this this series. Yeah, so. I think
1: he averaged thirteen minutes a game in that series. It was
0: crazy. Yeah. He started every game.
1: Yeah, and, and literally, Jokic was putting him on the block, and it was over. Yeah, it was, it was over. It was over. And he wasn't a better, He wasn't rebounding with Joker. So they basically were just like, look, we're just going to go all offense, and we're just going to try to hunt Joker because on the court at Will Barton and Monte Morris and Baku and them. So we're just going to worked.
0: like it, yeah. it was slowing down at the end and Denver started figuring things out too little too late, but it worked and, and that's the way that they got it done. But like the way that Denver has, has built their roster now, I feel really good about the matching up with either of those teams, if they get right. to the Western conference finals. And right. that's just an exciting thing. It's it's an exciting feeling to be able to have hope and, and like belief in, in the group that Denver has assembled because I I think that they can absolutely do it. Like like, it just they got to get through the toughest matchup in the bracket. But they're not going to get gifted an easy series if they if they're able to make it to the Western Conference Finals. But uh, they have the pieces, they have the talent, they have the mentality, and like whoever makes it out of that Lakers Warriors series, I, I think they'll they'll have their hands full too.
1: Well, I think the other side of this too, though, Ryan, is that man. I don't know if people realize this, but I. I trust Jamal Murray versus any guard in the playoffs, any, any. Like, I, I don't care who it is. I trust Jamal Murray, and people can say, well, that's crazy. I'm like, no, there has not been a series that Jamal Murray has not met expectations versus the other team for him to play, yeah. ever. That's wild to say, by the way. Ever. <laughs> it's crazy. He's never, like,
0: he's never disappointed. Jamar DeRozan,
1: remember his first point, he averaged 21 points a game. Jamar was, you know, mid in that series. And then yeah. Damian Lillard averaged 23 points a game in that series. Jamal basically met him and matched him. Next year, Donovan Mitchell met him and matched him. And then after that, it was Kawhi Leonard and Paul George met them and matched him. And then, you know, it was LeBron and, you know, Alex Caruso and all hey, that. But like
0: Murray was great in that series. People forget that Joker. he was actually, he was better in that series than he was against the Clippers.
1: Yeah, much better. Clippers, he averaged like 22 points a game, but everybody's like, you yeah. know, he carried Joker past Kawhi. <laughs> no, he didn't. Anyway, yeah. um, and then again, like he was great versus Anthony Edwards. He's going to be freaking great versus Devin Booker. And if you give him, an opportunity to line up versus Steph Curry, with with in, in his in his mind. Oh yeah, he's like, oh yeah. I'm... <laughs> However, oh yeah, absolutely. Jamal Murray <laughs> lives for that stuff. And you remember this, by the way. And again, this is kind of where I, I think I we were vindicated a little bit because you know I asked Matt uh, during the Avengers podcast. You know, do you think the Nuggets are taking anything personally? What happened in two thousand twenty one? He said no, they don't care about that stuff. That's
0: do you, what they said.
1: You did you hear Jamal and in, in the postgame conference? Oh yeah, I was there. <laughs> Can, and so even then, he was just like, "I don't know." Even on the court, when they asked him, "Is the Bubba Murray or healthy, Murray?" He's like, "I don't know what it's going to take for y'all to believe me." Like, this is who I am, and he then he's annoyed he, as hell, which I love because oh, Jamal yeah. is he—he like, he just believes in himself and his team. He is the best. Yeah. I, I, I think he knows Joker is better than him, but I think in a healthy way, Ryan. I think he feels like he's on the same planet as Joker. I don't think he thinks like Joker is just so far above him that he can't. I think he believes that like, it's uh, like I am just as good when we need to be as Joker is, but I think it's a healthy thing though. Like he doesn't feel that he's inferior to anybody on the court and that's what makes him
0: so special. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And like, if he has to go match up with Steph Curry, if he has to go match up with LeBron, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, like, He'll rise to the occasion in those matchups, too. I feel, I feel really good about that, and I know Nuggets fans feel really good Oh, wait. Good about don't,
1: don't let it come down to Jamal Murray versus Jason Tatum and Taylor Brown, Ryan. <laughs> don't let it come down to that, Ryan.
0: Don't <laughs> let it guys. come down to that. Holy cow, like if those guys thought that they, they were seeing stars against Steph Curry in, in the finals, like, oh, my God, it's going to be crazy going against Jamal. I'm telling you,
1: bro, Jamal, if you give him an opportunity, bro, and, and those are players in his same age bracket, oh, oh gosh. Well, I'm trying to tell you, man, I just I just think that I just Jamal, again, he is not the same caliber of player on a game-by-game basis in the regular season. But in a playoff setting, what is it dependent on? Shot making? Your clutch ability? Your dribbles, ability to create space, and your playmaking. Jamal turns all of these up to ten in the playoff setting.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's not. He's not going to shrink. He's not going to shy away from the moment. He is here for it. He is ready for it. Uh, but let's let's move quickly to in the East. Heater up one zero after a game today. Uh, they stole that game one. Jimmy did roll his ankle. We'll see what that looks like. He was hobbling at the end of that game. They so. didn't put him in pick and roll one time, right? That's crazy. How can the Knicks like like they they just like function, guys? Like, come on, this, is, this shouldn't be this hard to to be like, hey, that guy is like gimping up and down, up and down the the lane. Like, come on,
1: like yeah. Just. Imagine if imagine if Joker saw Jimmy Butler hobbling for five minutes left in the game with the game on the line.
0: Yeah, he'd be like, hey, uh, can I get a switch onto this guy and post him up, please? Like, that seems like a good idea. Um, but no, like, OK, so you've got the Heat and the Knicks. You've got the Celtics and the Sixers. They play game one tomorrow. Joel Embiid will be doubtful. Uh, I don't think he's going to play in that game. I'd be shocked if he played that game. It seems every little bit of messaging that's coming out about it says that that knee injury is a little bit more serious than than they are letting on. They're trying to they keep up hope for everybody. But it does seem to me like like I mean, we'll probably have a battle between the Heat and the Knicks, but like because Julius Randle will come back and they'll probably play a little bit better. But huh? Celtics and Sixers, I, I I feel like the Celtics. Did you will say probably... they're going
1: to be better with Julius Randle on the court. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- I think they'll probably be a little bit better with their with their star player out, one of their star players out there.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, uh, Ryan, before before you finish this, I want to read this to you. I want to give. Please give me your thoughts. Uh-oh. So in the Eastern Conference, the matchups are going to be Jason Tatum versus the mm-hmm. hobbled Joel Embiid, not his fault, not his fault, a hobbled Joel Embiid, yeah, and then Jalen Brunson versus Jimmy Butler, and then yeah. in the West, the best player matchups are LeBron James versus Steph Curry and wow. Kevin Durant
0: versus Nikola Jokic. What are your thoughts? Double wow, like those guys are pretty good. Those guys are pretty good in the Western Conference. Western Conference basketball is just uh just a little bit different, a little, a little bit different in my mind than than the Eastern Conference where. They're all grinding it out. They're all punching each other in the face and in the nuts, trying to trying to get one ad, one up advantage on everybody. But Western Conference basketball—it's been superior for a long time. And I know that the records didn't show that, but that's because they're beating up on each other in the regular season this year. And, and they're injured. Like that's that's kind of an issue. So going to be very fascinating to see who comes out of each of those series. I, I got to imagine that the Celtics will will win that series with the Sixers, just with the the health situation the way that it is. Heat Knicks, it could go either way. Like I, I still, I still feel like that could go either way for sure. But I mean, the the eight seeded Heat, who were one play away basically from being eliminated in the in the in tournament, that's incredible that they've had this level of in, turnaround.
1: in in less than a year. They were one shot away from the finals and one yeah. play away from not being in the playoffs. Shit,
0: <laughs> my
1: god, but they're good. Jimmy Butler's great. I and I and, uh, let me know. Uh, this is. Again, a very washed down version. I feel like this Miami Heat team with a healthy Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo—they give me like a very washed down version of the Toronto Raptors because they put so much pressure on you and they force you to make all kind of mistakes on on defense. But again, Jimmy Butler just reminds me of Kawhi Leonard in that run. He's just incredible.
0: It's been amazing. Been been a lot of fun. I hope he can get back healthy. That it's it's better to watch him play the the way that he has like just. It's just been unbelievable to, to watch him and what he's done. Uh, but now I think that's gonna pretty much do it for that section. We got one more thing to take care of. Takes from the future. Last week oh, we gosh. shared our takes, and I, I actually pulled this last time or like before the podcast. So I just wanted to make sure that we had it. Both of our takes were that they would sweep uh in the series. They didn't ultimately sweep, but we each were half right in our takes. Your half was that. They would come out guns a-blazing in this series, and they'd really show up in this way, and they absolutely did. Changed a lot of people's tempo, uh, and my take was that Joker would lead both teams in scoring in, in that game four, and and he nearly won Denver that game. If he just made one more free throw, one more yeah. free throw, then they would have won it in a sweep for sure. So uh, we're, we're pretty close. We're pretty close on on last week's take. So. Now we got to go for this week, though. Going to have some interesting moments. Not a lot of games this week. Uh, actually, well, they've got three games. They're going to have one tomorrow night, then they'll play on Friday, and then they'll play on Sunday night. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to podcast before game four, so we'll probably just do game One or Game two and game three for these takes. How do you see it going with the Nuggets this week?
1: Man, I think they're going to go up 2-0 well for sure. Mm. I'm pretty sure. comfortable with that and then think about this ryan if they go up
0: 2-0 and the suns
1: are gonna have three days to think about that
0: i know i've been thinking about this i've been i've been thinking about it for my entire like as soon as i saw that schedule i was so excited about what these first two games would mean and what it could mean for the psyche for each of these teams
1: if you give them three days to think about the fact that they were demolished defensively by the Denver Nuggets, and they just have no answer for the Nuggets' offense. They can make all the changes they want. You're yeah. not getting Bam out of bio or Jared Jackson or Anthony Davis on that roster, so you won't have any answers. And I think if Joker, think about if Joker, if you know, all right, say Jamal has a pedestrian game of I don't know, twenty-seven five and five on good efficiency, right?
0: Yeah, like and normal then, good.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, normal good, normal Jamal Murray. What he's averaging in the regular in, in the playoff, basically. <laughs> and then say Joker decides, like, yeah, all right, here you go. Uh 35, 18, and 9 on really good efficiency. And so cool. you've lost to Jamal going off, and then you lose to Jokic going off on good efficiency. And then you also get curb stomped again, and you're like, but KD scored 29 again. Devin Booker scored 32 points. How are we still losing these games? And you give them three days to sit on that? For me, that's like a psychological break. Because now all the Nuggets gotta do is win one. One yeah. in Phoenix. And I believe no they can do that. I believe yeah. they can do
0: that. I think they could do it too. That is a great take. Uh, I, oh man, my take from the future is that tomorrow's game. Game two is going to define the series. Like it is going to be, if Denver wins that one, then the series will be over in five games or less. If Denver loses that game tomorrow, then this, this thing's going seven guaranteed. Like, mm. Game two is so important for both of these teams because it's going to involve the adjustments for what happened in game one. The Suns will be better prepared than they were the first time around. Whether that matters or not remains to be seen, but I do think that game two, whoever wins that, it will basically define the series. And if Denver wins, it's going to be over quickly. If the Suns win, then it could go coin flip game seven. Like that's that's where I'm at with it. It's It's going to be tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, Ryan. The Nuggets have six games to win three more games. The Nuggets, the Suns have six games to win four. I don't think the Suns can do that. Not versus this Nuggets team. Yeah. So for, for me, Ryan, I'm telling you, bro, if they win game two and you give them five more games to win two more, Ryan, I don't, the Suns, and that means the Suns will have to win four games in the next five. I just know, man, they, they're going to come out gun blazing tomorrow. I just don't, I don't think it's going to be enough though.
0: We will see. We will see, man. This has been a lot of fun. A great show. Uh, Everybody in the chat. It has been a lot of fun to do this for you. Uh, But my guy, I think that we got to say goodbye to the chat. Michael, can you hit that outro music for us? Uh, Everybody that is going to do it for this episode of pickaxe and roll weekends with Skype. Show every single week. You can find us doing it next week, uh, whether it's on Saturday or Sunday, we will make sure to let you know going into this, but uh, man, you got any other final takes we got to get off our chest before we get out of here? Oh, man. Um, I
1: don't care if we went to pilots MVP for the different Nuggets uh, as long as they win the championship. No have no
0: preference whatsoever. Man, <laughs> it's going to be so funny when everybody's going to use that against Joker. Be like, yeah, maybe he averaged 30, 10 and five, but because Murray averaged 32 in the series, like he's going to get it. Uh, I don't give a damn. Like this, <laughs> everything is amazing to me. It's coming up. Aces it should be a lot of fun. Everybody hit that like button on the way out. Thank you so much for tuning in on this day. Uh, really, really appreciate all the love, all the support. Uh Make sure to go subscribe to each of the channels and we will talk to you guys next weekend.